Our special speaker tonight is a dear friend of ours, Dr. Bob Crosby. Many of you are familiar with him. He serves at Southeastern University. He was a great, great pastor for many years, a great thinker, an author. He's written nine books now. In fact, the latest one is with Samuel Rodriguez, and it's called When Faith Catches Fire. It's a wonderful book. In fact, you can get it on Amazon. You can order it. You can download it digitally through Amazon or Barnes & Noble. And so I hope you'll get a copy of that. Right after the orchestra plays, Dr. Crosby is going to come, and when he walks up in just a few moments, will you give him a big hand and welcome him back to Victory Church? Amen. Beautiful. Uh, so enjoyed that worship music and just being able to celebrate with all of you here at Victory. Uh, it has been a while since we have been here, and uh, Pamela and I, as Dan mentioned, we just got back from Peru and Argentina and uh, toured about five different places there and just seeing some of the amazing things that God is doing uh, in that, those parts of the world. Well, it's always great to be at Victory. A big part of our hearts is with you, although we've been involved with a ministry in Tampa the last couple of years. Uh, we still always feel a part of this family and uh, appreciate Dan and Jeff and Pastor Wayne and the opportunity to be back here with you tonight. But I have to tell you, I still have a little bit of South America in me, uh, so I might be prone to preach a little long. No, no, I won't. <laughs> we, uh, we love the passion of those regions that we're in. And it was interesting because about six or seven years ago, I had a student from Peru, and I was talking to her. Her name is Faye, which means faith uh, in Spanish. And I was talking to her about a paper, and she said, Dr. Crosby, do you know who my parents are? And I said, what are their names? She said, Guillermo and Milagros Aguayo. And she said it, you know, just really excited about her parents and who they are. And I said, no, I'm sorry, I don't know who they are. She said, well, you and your wife have the same DNA as we do. She said, they love families, they love ministry, and would you be willing to come and minister in Lima? So I said, sure, tell your dad, we'd be glad to come down. So we talked to him. Little did we know that her dad and mom are sort of like the emerging James and Shirley Dobsons of South America. Uh, the Lord is raising them up to bring beautiful ministry to families uh, in areas of the world where there's a lot of family brokenness, tension, difficulty, and struggle. So we're privileged to, to go down about once a year uh, and to do ministry in a, a wide variety of places uh, in a number of different settings, but most of all to see God minister to and heal broken families. Well, when we first went down, I introduced Pam, my wife, Pamela, to some of the people there. And I said, this is my wife, Pamela. And they said, oh, Pamela. And everywhere we went, they would say, Pamela. And Pamela said, Robert, you need to start calling me Pamela. She, she said, it's much more romantic than Pam. <laughs> so uh, there's probably more than one reason that we've enjoyed being in that area. This trip, we were able to go to a few cities in Peru uh, and also Argentina and, uh, and just to see some of the beautiful things God's doing around the world. When I was introduced to that student, about the same time, I was introduced to Samuel Rodriguez. Uh, Samuel has become sort of the de facto leader 
of Latino evangelical churches in the United States, and now really in many parts of the world. Uh, Samuel actually was one of the people that prayed at the presidential inauguration. Uh, he, he actually got up and read the Beatitudes, uh, blessed are the merciful, and, and ministered in that way. So the Lord, in an unusual way, has connected us to the Latino church uh, as a part of what we do, and it's been beautiful to see what God is doing. Do you know that the growth of the church in what's called the global south in areas like South America, Africa, and parts of Asia is so phenomenal that, that in a city like Sao Paulo, Brazil, this, this statistic shocked me. In Sao Paulo, Brazil, there are three million Assemblies of God adherents and members. In the United States, our numbers are similar to that for the whole nation. So there is explosive growth going on in those areas. In Brazil, there are now about 10 to 12 million uh, people that are Pentecostal. There are now uh, more Pentecostals uh, in that area than many other parts of the world. And it's just phenomenal to see what God is doing in some of these areas. And I believe that God is using these churches uh, to sort of strike a new chord of passion in the church. And it's exciting to see what God is doing. I believe that we're going to see God use uh, Latinos in our communities and our churches in some amazing way. So the book talks a little bit about this, some of the changes and trends that are going on in our world. Uh, and the essence of it really relates to some of the passion that you see expressed in many Latino churches and churches that are opening their hearts more and more to Latinos around the world. Well, tonight... The, the young lady that I told you introduced me to her parents, her name Mad Faith. Tonight I want to talk about faith, but I want to talk about your faith. Your faith. Take your hand and put it right here on your chest. Do you know the Bible says that God has given to every man the measure of faith? You can remove it. You have within you the measure of faith. It's almost like somebody measuring out uh, an ingredient. God has given you the measure of faith. Faith is like a magnet. Sometimes we have a tendency to relegate faith only to our minds, you know, only to what we believe in our minds, uh, sort of our doctrinal code. Do we believe the right things? That is very important. But faith is also related to our heart, and it is related to our hand. You see, faith not only believes, faith also loves, amen? And faith does. Faith works. Uh, you know, the writer of James said, show me, uh, you know, talk about your faith. I'll show you my faith by my works. My works will exhibit my faith. So it's almost as if he was saying, if faith is in you, it will come out of you. Uh, the root of faith will become the actions of serving God, doing what Jesus has called us to do, and loving others in his name. So faith, so very important to God is faith. Jesus, at one point, the question was asked, when the Son of Man returns to the earth, will he find faith? You remember the centurion that said, Jesus, if you just send your word, my servant will be healed. Jesus said, I haven't seen faith like this in all of, of, in all of Judea. 
This is amazing. He was amazed by their faith. He was blessed by their faith. Hebrews 11 says that God is pleased by faith. What I want to talk to you about tonight is what I would call when faith meets an unexpected mountain. When faith meets an unexpected mountain. You don't have to raise your hand on this, but how many of you have ever faced an unexpected mountain? You got up one morning, it looked like a normal day, everything seemed to be going fine, and suddenly you got some news that you never expected. Uh, you, you got news about a relative who was sick. You got news about somebody in your family that was making a move. You got news about something going on in the world that really concerned you. You got news about your job that was difficult. A mountain came up in front of you, one that you never expected. There are moments when faith will face an unexpected mountain. Well, for whatever reason, a little bit over a year ago, I really felt challenged to, to read Hebrews 11. Not only to read it, but to read it over again and again, uh, to look at some of the people listed in it, because you know, Hebrews 11 talks about the hall of faith. Uh, these people that God used in an incredible way. It's sort of, you know, we're, we're used to all these uh, Hall of Fame for National Football, uh, Hall of Fame for Major League Baseball, Hall of Fame for Rock and Roll. Uh, we have a Hall of Fame for just about everything. But what about the Hall of Faith? People that we look to and we respect them because of their faith. Well, the list includes some interesting people. Uh, it starts with Abel. Interesting to me that it doesn't start with Adam. It starts with Abel, then Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah, Joseph. Then it goes on to Moses, Rahab, Gideon, Barak, uh, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, the prophets. And then it moves on to, to, to others. We get in the midst of it uh, a list that is given to us. But if you go back to that first list, Abel... Enoch, Noah, and then who? Abraham. You know, Abraham is a big deal in the Bible. He really is a big deal. And maybe sometimes we don't look at him as much as maybe we ought to. Because Abraham is considered the father of our faith. And his story really weaves all the way through the Bible. Uh, God looked at Abraham and put some special challenges in his life, uh, allowed him to face some challenges and opportunities, called him to go to a place without a GPS. Uh, you imagine the morning he woke up and told his wife, and he said, Sarah, pack your bag. She said, why? Because we're moving. Where are we moving to? I have no idea. <laughs> well, how do you know we're supposed to move? God told me. You know, a lot of our wives just say, yeah, I'll bet God told you. Uh, I, wanna, I want some reason, some rationale. Well, they moved. They went to the land that, they, that he knew not, but he followed God. Because he wasn't following a GPS. He was following the voice of God. Uh, he wasn't looking at just a triptych or, or a plotted path. He was looking to God. So Abraham... You remember Abraham. 
You remember the, the man who took steps of faith, that trusted God, that believed God, that went through waiting on a promise. God told him that he and his wife would have a what? A son. They would have a son. This was going to happen. And Abraham just kept doing what? Getting older and older and older. And yet, the promise of God was there in his life. And somehow, the Spirit of God continued to nurture the promise of God. You know, I remember years ago, I was watching a documentary on Martin Luther King Jr. It was a Life magazine documentary. And there was a break for a little while, and, and the narrator came in, and he said, he said something about Martin Luther King. He said, you know, Martin Luther King was a hero. He said, heroes are a rare breed. They have the uncanny ability of doing what they really believe in, of rising above their fears and doing what they really believe in. And then he said this, to a hero, what he cannot see is infinitely more real to him than what he can see. To a hero, what he cannot see is infinitely more real to him than what he can see. In other words, the promise of God was more real to Abraham in many moments of his life than the challenges and the realities that he was facing. Uh, Romans says that Abraham, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed God, and so he became the father of many nations. He, he accepted the fact that his body was as good as dead, the Bible says. He was like almost dead. He was so old. But he believed in the promise of God. Do you know, there is, uh, when, you, the, when you look at uh, the words about faith in the Bible, one of them really, as you, you look at the original meaning, it really means parented by the promise. Parented by the promise. In other words, the promise of God encourages you, helps you, nurtures you, builds you up, and gets you ready for the unexpected mountain. You know, some people would say, we're either facing an unexpected mountain, we just got over an unexpected mountain, or before too long, we're probably going to face an unexpected mountain. Uh, how many of you have found already that God will allow your faith to be challenged? You know, it's like a muscle. Faith is not a magic wand. It isn't a magic wand that I use to get what I want. It isn't, you don't use it for abracadabra. Faith is a gift of God that helps you become what he wants. It's like a divine enablement that within us has all the capacity of becoming who we were meant to be in God. It's almost like, you know, when you look at a, a child and they're trying to maybe pick up something that's bigger than they are, like they're going to, you know, pick up a huge baseball bat and they're like a, a year and a half old and they're real determined and they look really determined. You know they're not going to be able to swing that bat, but the desire within them is there. It's like you and me. There are potentials that God has put within us whose time has not yet come, but the time will come. So it's important that we stay in the promises so that we continue to be parented by the promises so that we believe God and we trust him and so that when the moment where the step of faith comes, we're willing to take that step. 
And for Abraham, I'm pretty sure that Abraham, if you had asked him when he was 20, he would say, the biggest challenges in my life are going to come in my 20s while I'm young. God would never give me a challenge when I get older. There's going to be a nice lazy boy and a remote control and a big screen TV when I get older. God would never challenge my faith when I get older. <laughs> but you read your Bible, the example of Abraham is that you never stop growing in your faith. Faith is something that's good that God allows it to be challenged. So you remember Abraham. He had a faith that went wherever God said go. He had a faith that had a baby even in his old age. He had a faith that faced an unexpected mountain. Well, the mountain of all mountains that Abraham faced was in Genesis 22. I'm sure you know the story. Look at it with me, Genesis 22:1. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose. Do you see how quickly Abraham responded? The Lord said, take your son and go to the mount and offer him, sacrifice him there. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw the place from afar. Can you imagine that moment for Abraham? God, please, please, give me strength. Give me strength. Then Abraham said to his young men, you just stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there, we'll worship, we'll come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went, both of them together. And then here's a moment. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? I see the fire and wood, Father, and I've, I've been with you before on these kind of journeys, but where's the, the lamb? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there, laid the wood in, the, in order, and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand, took the knife to slaughter his son, but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. He said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, Behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by the, its horns. And Abraham went, took the ram, offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. As it is to this day on the mount, it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called him a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, listen to this, because this affects you and me today. By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son. I will surely bless you. I will surely bless you. Turn to somebody and say, God will surely bless you. God will surely bless you. I will surely bless you. You can know that I will bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven, as the sand of the seashore, and your offspring shall possess 
the gate of his enemies, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to the young men. They arose and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham lived at Beersheba. Abraham faced an unexpected mountain. God called him to Mount Moriah. The third highest mountain in the world will show up here on the screen, and I'm sure I will mispronounce it, Kangchenjunga. Kangchenjunga. It's in the border of Nepal and India. Uh, it's 28,169 feet tall, and until 1852, it was considered the tallest mountain in the world. It was first climbed in 1955. Then there's the second highest mountain in the world, K2. 300 successful summits to the top of this mountain, 77 fatalities. 28,251 feet is referred to as Savage Mountain, located on the border of China and Pakistan, and it has never been climbed during the winter. And then, of course, the tallest mountain in the world, you know what it is, right? Mount Everest. Here it is, beautiful Mount Everest. That's sort of become an enigma. It's just sort of an amazing thing that we look at, the, the ultimate challenge, 29,029 feet on the border of China and Nepal. First ascent was in 1960. Many have tried. Handfuls have made it. Mountains. God allows mountains. You know, there was a Christian musician that I've enjoyed over the years, Stephen Curtis Chapman. Years ago, he wrote this beautiful song about going up on a mountain, uh, getting this beautiful view, and it's just wonderful to go to the mountains. You know, and this, this uh, inspirational moment. And I don't know about you, but I love the mountains. Like in the fall, I love to go up to the mountains, see beautiful scenes, and, and just like hike, go to waterfalls and all that. And uh, he wrote this beautiful, peaceful song. And then years later, many of you know, his son, his teenage son, was driving his car home, and his young daughter ran out in front of the car. And by accident, the son ran over the daughter, and she was killed. And their world went into a tailspin. Uh, he wrote a beautiful autobiography that came out earlier this year. My wife and I listened to the audio version of it. Powerful, so powerful. But he tells the story of having to go to the hospital, and they had flown her on medevac uh, helicopter, and having to go in that room, and all these doctors that worked and worked and worked and tried to save her. And then the moment when they could not save her. And he's there, and he's the dad, and he's in the room, and all these doctors are just apologizing. Sorry, we did everything we could do. Your daughter's gone. And I'm listening to this, and I'm thinking, what did he do next? What would you do? What would I do? He said, I just, I just would like to have all of your attention for just a moment. Thank you so much for all that you've done to try to save my daughter. You will never know what it means to me and your wife. We prayed our hearts out. You worked your hearts out. And I just want to say to you that our family and our little girl believe in a God who loves all of us. And I know that my little girl would want me to say to you that this God loves all of you. And he took a couple minutes and he shared the gospel with all of them. And then he prayed with all of them. I have to tell you, I, I was like crying. I'm like, God, I don't know if I would have faith like that in that moment. 
to, to rise up. But you know, that's the thing about faith. Your faith is not as strong as you are. It's potentially as strong as God is. Because, see, we're saved by grace through faith, but faith is not of ourselves. It's the gift of God. So then in a moment, a tragic moment, you're facing a mountain, and suddenly there's a divine enablement in your faith. There's something in the moment to get you through it. There's a struggle. You're like, honey, how are we going to get through this? There's something that God puts within you. You pray, and it's a divine enablement. It's a touch of heaven within your own soul. It's a breath of the Holy Spirit. It's the lift of the Word of God to get you over your trouble. So whatever the mountain is, God is bigger than your mountain. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Faith. You see, faith is something Abraham could teach us about. And I'm going to say just a few things about faith before we come to to pray and to give to God the mountains that we face. One of them is this. Faith doesn't react to life. It responds to God. Faith doesn't react to life. It responds to God. And that becomes a witness to the world around us. People look in a hospital room like that. They're like, how could he do anything in that moment? Some would say, but curse God. But instead, he was used by God to bring the gospel, to share it. There was something because, and I believe because of being a man who had submitted himself to God over and over again, been in the presence of God, worshiped the Lord, there was something in him that said, Jesus, in my toughest moment, I'm not going to fail you. I'm going to stay with you if you just help me. Just give me that extra strength that I need. Just enough. Just enough, Lord, and I'll do what you want me to do. So faith doesn't react to life. It responds to God. And also a faith that responds, we learn from Abraham, is quick to obey. It's quick to obey. Look at Abraham. It says, God said, take your son to Mount Moriah, and he obeyed. He did what God said. He was quick to obey. He was responsive. There was a rhythm to his obedience to God that challenges me in my own faith, in my own responsiveness to God. But there's another thing that really I've learned a lot from watching my wife and how she lives her life and her faith. And it's faith that responds marks the moments. It marks the moments. You know, you look at uh, at Abram. Abram. Uh, God appeared to Abram, said to your offspring, I'll give the land. So he built an altar there. And as you read on through the rest of the verses, you see another place that he went and he built an altar. In other words, he remembered what God had done. When God does something for us, we need to mark the moment, to mark it and say, let's remember what God has done. You know, David learned how to challenge his own faith. Uh, Do you remember the verse where he said, bless the Lord, oh my soul and all that is within me, bless his holy name, and forget not his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. You see, faith memories spark faith steps. You know, when we hit points, we're like, how am I going to get through this? Every year at Southeastern, uh, about two-thirds of the way through the semester, students get a certain glaze in their eyes. And it's like, oh, no, I have papers to do, tests to take. And I'll, at the beginning of class, say, hey, does anybody have a prayer request? Pray for me, Dr. Crosby. I'm overwhelmed. I'm just overwhelmed, you know. And every now and then, and we'll always pray for them, but every now and then I'll say, you know what? 
Did you feel this way the same time of the year last year? Yes, exactly the same way. (laughs) Did you get through it? Faith memories help to spark faith steps. So remembering what God is, that's why it's good to even journal or to keep a list of what God has done or even sometimes to mark it to make a memorial of some kind. And also faith faces the fear. We don't have to be, we don't have to live overwhelmed with our fears. Faith faces the fears and it overcomes them. Uh, The Bible says, God said to Abraham, do not be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield and your very great reward. Do you know the word shield? When you look at the original meaning, it means like the, the hide of a crocodile. I will cover you. My wife and I were in uh, the jungle of Peru about a week ago, Saturday, a week ago yesterday, actually. And they said, we're going to take you on the jungle walk. We thought, well, that sounds exotic. So it was an afternoon in between preachings. And so we went and we got to the jungle walk and we're on this narrow, like four foot plank. And we're walking. And I said to my wife, look, there's like five statues of crocodiles that are down there, just about 10 feet away from us. They're all dusty and gray. She said, honey, those are not statues. All of a sudden, one of them moved. I was like, oh, my gosh. There are no guardrails. And, uh, and then we got to the end, and there's like the get your picture taken with the anaconda booth. You know what I mean? You know, and I was like, hasta mañana, you know. <laughs> uh, and, our, you know, the pastors that were with us got a kick out of that. But, but faith doesn't allow itself to be controlled by fear. David had a Goliath in his life. He, David knew all about Mount Goliath. But do you know what? He looked above Goliath. He looked to the hills from whence cometh his help. His help is in God. He looked to God. I heard somebody years ago that said this. Your friends will help you realize your potential. Your enemies will push you beyond it. Your friends will help you realize your potential. But your enemies will push you beyond it. Now, your enemy may or may not be a person. It could be a challenge in life. And God can use that to fortify your faith. So whoever it is is here tonight, you say, this mountain, uh, Pastor Crosby, it just feels so big. It feels bigger than me. I don't know how I'm going to get around it, go through it, go over it. I just don't know how. And I'm telling you, your faith is bigger than that mountain. The touch of God on your faith is so much bigger than that mountain. The grace of God at work within you is bigger than that mountain. Abraham, he had his questions. You know, Abraham, at one point, he, he asked God how. How God was going to, how am I going to know that I possess the land? That's all he really asked. God allows us to ask him questions. Sometimes your questions, when they're sincere, they just dig out your heart so that you can, you can grow your faith even more. So bring your challenges and your questions to God in prayer. But realize that he is building your faith, he's growing it so that his name can be lifted up through you and so that his will can be done through your life. So we've talked about Abraham's faith, and it's amazing. I mean, if you were going to go to a jewelry store and you could pull out people's faith, and you could pull out Abraham's faith, now that would be a gem to look at. Because it's been so polished and tried and so so beautifully developed by God. Your faith is like that. God is shaping it, working on it, developing it, allowing challenges because Jesus loves it. I believe when we look at the heavens, we look at the stars. I believe when God looks at the earth, he looks at faith. 
And it's almost like something that glows within us because it's something He has put within us to develop and to grow. So let me ask you about your faith. Is your faith quick to obey God? Does your faith mark the moments? Does your faith face the fears? Is your faith finding the way? Some people make it to the top of Mount Everest. Here's a picture of one guy here that actually made it to the top of Mount Everest. And you can tell he's full of joy. There are a lot of weeks of conditioning and training. He did not get up there overnight. He did not fly in and the next day go up Mount Everest. There was tempering and climatization and stages and levels that he went through to that place of being at the top of the mountain, celebrating that victory. God is leading you and me to a play, and here we're Victory Church. He's leading us to victory. He has his hand on you, and he has called us to be more than conquerors through him who loved us. All of us know there are moments when we want to throw in the towel. You know, I've heard pastors that say every Monday morning they want to throw in the towel. You know? Uh, and, and many of you at work, sometimes on Monday or whenever you, you get a news that's difficult, you want to throw in the towel. But God has put faith within you and me so that, not so that we can just get what we want, but so we can become all that He wants, so that Jesus can live through us, work His will through us, so His name can be built up through us. And the beautiful thing is, your faith is not just as strong as you are. It potentially is as strong as God is. And he's put it within you. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes. Lord, I thank you for the faith that is in this room. And I know that on a night like this, there are also mountains that are being faced. There are people here that are facing mountains and challenges of different kinds. And all of us, every one of us, uh, every person here, every pastor, every leader, if we were to get up and just share our whole faith story, there'd be a lot of mountains, a lot of challenges that we've walked through. And Lord, none of us know what the next mountains are, but we know that we have faith within us today, and you have given it to us. I'm going to ask with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here and you're not walking in a living relationship with Jesus as your Lord, as your Savior tonight. I don't know how we deal with faith and overcoming without the one who overcame sin for us, and that is Jesus, the greatest overcomer of all. If you want to commit your life to him or recommit your life to Jesus tonight, that's the starting point. That's the beginning point where you say, Lord, come into my heart and ignite my faith so that I can live your way, not my way, but yours. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you, would you just raise your hand right where you are and say, I need Jesus in my life. I want him to be Lord over me, Lord over all that I am and all that I have. Just put your hand right up and then put it right back down again. Amen. And now there are others here tonight and there's a mountain that you're facing. Others may or may not know about it, but you are facing it. And you so want the Lord to strengthen your faith to help you overcome that mountain. So I'm going to ask you, just right where you are, just stand to your feet and say, Lord, help me overcome this mountain. Help me overcome this challenge. Fill me with your touch and your faith tonight. Just stand right where you are. And he will come, strengthen you, enable you. He loves to fortify faith. He loves to breathe on it. He loves to renew it. He loves to strengthen it. His word causes it to come alive. Now, all of you that are standing, 
I'm going to invite you just to come to the front because someone here would love to just pray for you for a moment. There's something about having somebody put a hand on your shoulder or take you by the hand and say, God, touch them, strengthen them. Something about that that God uses. So would you just come? As you come, just say, pray for me. Pray for me tonight. Lord, we praise you for all those that are coming, for what you're doing in their lives. Lord, for the mountain that your spirit is helping them to overcome and helping them to face. We pray that fear would be removed. We pray that, that worry would be removed, that anxiety would be removed, and that you would breathe upon faith, that you would renew faith tonight, that you would enhance it. Lord, that we would know that you're the Lord that said, I am with you to the end of the age. I am with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible through him who loved us. Lord, would you breathe upon these tonight? Bless them, strengthen them. And then others of you that are here tonight, you've been through a mountain and God has helped you through it. And I'm gonna ask you to do something very simple. Is as you've heard this message, it's been more retrospective. You said, Lord, thank you that you helped me through that mountain. I'm gonna ask you just to stand where you are to give thanks to God for him helping you through that mountain in your life. Just stand. Lord, I praise you. Just lift your hands to him. God, you have helped me through a mountain. I thank you for it. I thank you. You've shown me that you are able. You're the conqueror. You put faith within us. We don't have to be afraid. You have strengthened me. You've helped me, Lord, and I praise you. I praise you for the mountains that you've helped me overcome. You are good. Help me to mark this tonight as I remember those things that you have done. Mark them deeply in my mind. Mark them in my memory. Mark them in my heart. Help me to remember what you have done, never to forget it. Never to forget it. To always remember the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God to me. Hallelujah. Let's continue to worship the Lord, to praise him, and just lift your faith up to him. Ask him to strengthen it, to fortify it tonight by his spirit. He's here, and he loves to strengthen our faith. He loves to breathe on our faith. He loves to draw us closer to him, our faith. 